Black Men Cry Too is an invitation for men of color to feel safe to share their truth and unpack their hurt. My name is Catherine, AKA Retro Barbie, hashtag bright hair, dark liquor. And I created this space as an invitation for black men to feel empowered to know it's okay that they can cry too. down with me today. Thank you for having me. And let's take a shot to start it off. Let's do it. Cheers. Well, to kick it off, um, I want to start with, let's chat about what's your nine to five and your five to nine. My nine to five is, uh, I'm an educator, primarily. Um, I teach at NYU. I'm also a marketing consultant. Um, quite frankly, I'm entertaining a few opportunities that uh, may change my career path more into the education and social impact space, which is where I want to go. Um, my five to nine, I can't say I really have one right now um, because I'm in the middle of this kind of career transition period where I've been trying to get out of the advertising agency marketing world and more into like doing purpose-driven work of helping advance the lives of young people. Um, so I spend a lot of time just doing that. You know, any free chance I get to spend time with my daughter, I'm doing that. So it's not a hobby, but it's, you know, it takes up a significant amount of time, as much time as I can give it to, to be with her. And why is um, getting involved in impacting the youth's lives so important for you? Well, when it first became like prevalent to me that it was something I should be doing, and it was like, I just felt like I'd gone through enough trying to chase the bag, quite honestly, and trying to chase titles and be in these companies and live a certain lifestyle from an image perspective, and it just didn't fulfill me. You know, like I used to be, a, I call myself a reformed sneakerhead, so I used to have like tons of sneakers and tons of gear, and I bought all that shit, and I was like, none of this makes me actually happy. And then as I started to get, you know, more in touch with myself and realizing like what made me happy was doing things that helped other people. When I started to drill down into that even more, I really found my, my passion, I would say my niche with young people. Like there's something about working with them and seeing the light bulb go off and knowing like some of the things that you may have experienced or uh, information that you share through your own struggles or successes can help them get, you know, what I say, go further faster, right? And so like I'm in a good mood right now just because I just left teaching and I was just walking over here thinking like, damn, like I get so much good energy from just sharing my knowledge and trying to help these young kids get a better shot at having success in the music business. Then when I had my daughter two years ago, I think that just kind of like reemphasized it even more because now I'm like, okay, I'm not only doing the work that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing from a purpose and passion place, but also I'm trying to leave this place better than how I found it not only for like the people I touch, but also for my daughter to inherit and to go into and, and, and live. And also to be an example for her about like how to actually live life. Like, yes, you need money. Yes, you need, you know, to have food, clothing and shelter. But I think it's so easy to get caught up in just chasing that shit and you're not really living. You know what I'm saying? And I want to be able to show her through action, not only talk, that there's a way you can do that and have balance and still be able to live comfortably and make the money. But you don't have to be a billionaire to be happy. That's not that's not the reality, I think, for most people. And I want to be able to, to show her that and hand her some things that can give her a better shot at, at doing that and not going through some struggles I went through. Obviously, that's what most parents want. And since you mentioned your daughter, you are a hashtag girl dad. Yeah. So yeah. being a hashtag girl dad, wow. um, can you describe to us what 
your definition of fatherhood is and how that looks like in your relationship with your daughter? For me, it's about being present, right? And a friend had to, you know, explain it to me that sometimes it's not about the quantity of time, it's about the quality of time. So when you're a father, you know, it's like really being present when your, your kid is there and when you're with them um, and, you know, guiding their steps, like literally, literally and figuratively, you know, um, my daughter's two, so she walks around everywhere. So I'm always <laughs> looking like, OK, like, don't bump into that. Don't trip over that. Like, but it the figurative side of that is the same thing. It's like I want to teach her how to maneuver through life. So that she doesn't, not that she doesn't face challenges, but that when she does, she knows how to move through it in a positive way, right? And those are things that I necessarily didn't, I may have learned and forgotten, or maybe I didn't necessarily get, but I've learned through, you know, being almost living for 40 years. So, you know, I think it's about, you know, really trying to just help set your kid up to have the best shot at a, a healthy, peaceful, successful life. And when I say success, I don't mean it from like more of the capitalistic terms, but like mm -hmm. true success and how you define it. Um, and giving her the tools to go out there and make it on her own terms. Um, I'm less of the, the parent that wants my child to do what I think they should do. I want to give her the ability to think for herself and empower her to have the knowledge and the belief in herself to do what she thinks is right for her. I love how you're speaking about your relationship, your situation yeah. in such a positive light. Yeah. It's typical that we have these stereotypes about a broken family when two people are co-parenting. How do yeah. we break that stereotype around co-parenting so more people can speak about their significant other? Man, I think it's I think it's one to one, right? Because everyone's relationship is different. Like I've have I have some very solid examples of horror stories, like that my friends are literally living through this to this day. Like I got a text message the other day from a friend of mine, and it, it just was like. Fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the stuff he's dealing with and his kids are way older than my daughter, right? And um, so I think it's, it's one to one, but I think two people have to be committed to the betterment of their child, even if they're not committed to each other in an intimate way. I'm never going to like not be there for my daughter, you know what I'm saying? And I may not be there physically every day, which is a really tough thing to process. But like, if she needs me, I will jump out this interview right now and be like, I'm, you know. And if you totally understand. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's just my commitment to her. And so I think when you have two people that have that type of understanding and are able to kind of extract the mom and dad relationship or whatever it is, um, you, you have a be better shot at it. But I, I'm not going to act like it's easy. And I'm not going to act like I don't understand why some people have the drama and the trauma they have. Because some people just have unresolved stuff that they haven't been able to work through with the other person. And that shit takes time and a commitment to that, in addition to parenting at the same time. And um, it's a lot on people. It's a lot. So I don't really fault people for having problems because I, I get it. Even though it's on the outside looking in, you could say, why don't I just figure it out? And mm -hmm. it you sounds good. Done. It sounds easy. But like, no, it's not quite that, that simple, you know. And families involved, there's a lot of different layers. And two people have to come together to really like make the commitment to say, this is what we're going to do how we're going to move forward and I'm just lucky enough to be in a situation where we kind of had a pretty good understanding from an earlier time period and it's only it's only actually gotten better than going the opposite way and I've seen plenty of examples of that and I'm just again thankful that I don't have that. So to touch back on a point you mentioned you were very aware of your child's needs during the pregnancy. Yeah. When did you become aware of your needs during this journey? Well, it actually goes back a little bit before that. Um, I spent some time overseas 
And I think for me, that time period allowed me to strip down out of my black American self identity and just learn how to be a little bit more human. So I think that's where my, my, I've always had some sense of awareness, but I think I kind of relearned some things and retooled some things during that time period. And then I got into meditation and I really started to be more conscious of um, my actions and my thoughts and how it affected other people. And so that was kind of a basis that I was working from. And then um, given the dynamic that my daughter was conceived in, I was very aware of like what I felt like I needed to do to be present for her. But I did not, in full transparency at that time, understand what I needed for myself. And that became a very, very like hard pill for me to swallow because I was working a, a stressful job. Um, you know, got this baby on the way that was, wasn't expected. Um, so there's money strain, there's work strain. You know, it was like four months into a new job. Um, that job was supposed to be a stepping stone job for me to actually get back out of the country because where I wanted to go. So I had like a lot of just like life turmoil going on. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, trying to be present for the mother of my child and, you know, inadvertently my child. Um, and so it took me some months to really realize like, okay, I don't have the tools to get through this one. I'm a pretty strong person and I, I, I've prided myself, whether right or wrong, to um, be able to get through things by myself, you know, and tough it out or whatever and have the mental resiliency and all that shit. But this one was like, I don't know my ass or my elbow and I don't know what the fuck and I need help. And so that's when I got into therapy. So it was some months into that process of the, the pregnancy stages that I realized, like, I need help. I need to um, really, really try to, like, find some people that can, can, can help me um, because I don't know how to help myself out of this one. You know what I'm saying? It just felt like I was just too under, like, an avalanche. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, it was, it was tough. Like, I'm not going to act like this shit was easy at all. It was really, really hard and a really dark period, even though it should have been like a happy period. It was really, really tough. So would you say you were recognizing periods of anxiety and depression were creeping up? All of that. <laughs> All Everything, checkbox. All of that, yeah. And how did you know the tools that you needed at that time, that tool you needed was therapy? What made you commit to, I'm going to try this out? Okay, so I'm going to keep it all the way funky. What I proposed to my daughter's mom was we should go to therapy, right? Because we have all this unresolved stuff from past relationship. And I remember sitting in the therapy session, like the first one, so they sit you down and ask you a bunch of questions about the dynamics and da 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 da. And I'm sitting there like, I don't want to be here. But it wasn't because I was angry. I was like, I need to go for myself. Like I need to heal myself before I can even have conversations around around our dynamic, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of actually what, when I think back on it, it triggered me to say, no, dude, like you're trying to fix something from a broken place within yourself. You need to try to find some, some healing for yourself before you can even do that. So that's when I opted out and said, look, I want to go to therapy on my own because I just got way too much shit going on that I don't know how to manage. So it was kind of that, you know what I'm saying? Like just really trying to, trying to find solutions that, you know, as you're kind of combing your way through the forest because you don't really know what you're doing, um, stopping and seeing if this worked and that worked and then saying, okay, this is maybe the right thing. And I didn't know if therapy was going to help. I just knew 
it was something I hadn't tried, and everything else I had tried just didn't work. What did you try before, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, man, you know, um, you know, Erica Badu got this song, you pray for 30 days, you fast and won't let go. Like, all the <laughs> shit you try, read a good book, you know what I mean, and, you know, try a little yoga for a minute, like, all that shit. Like, I tried everything. I've worked out. I smoked weed. I fucking called to my homies. I journaled. I meditated. I, whatever. I got, I bought a bike. I rode, a, like, long, wow. not a motorcycle, but a, a bicycle. I figured. Mm-hmm. Um, all this shit to try to, like, rid myself of the stress and anxiety, and it just wouldn't go away. You know what I'm saying? I tried all the things that I had worked before and I thought that, you know, other people that I admired had tried or had done and said, this works for me. It just didn't fucking work. And I also think I didn't want to say that I needed therapy because I'm like, that's, I ain't crazy. Right. But I I was, I was definitely not in the best mental space at, at all. But I didn't want to admit that to myself. So it finally got to a point where, like I said, when all the all the plates fell, and I'm like, fuck, man, like, what you got to lose at this point? Because you feel like you've lost everything else. So you've tried all these different things and nothing seems to be, you know, maybe for, it's like a quick lick. Yeah, like for five minutes you feel a little bit better, but then all those feelings start creeping back in. And um, anxiety is a motherfucker and depression is a motherfucker. And when you're dealing with both of them together, it's... It's hard. It's really fucking hard. And since you're so self-aware with yourself and therefore it helps you being self-aware with others, how are you able to be an example or to call out when you notice your friends may be going through anxiety, depression, um, you're noticing all these different signs within them? How do you lead by example to either encourage them to speak about it, express themselves, seek therapy? I'll say this first. It's always easy to talk than to do, right? So it's always easier for me to recognize a homie that's dealing with something and tell him what I think he should do than to actually for him to do it or vice versa or me recognizing things within myself and then actually going and do the thing, you know what I'm saying? Whatever needs to be done to rectify or heal or what have you. Um, I try my best to keep um, a really, really open heart to people. Um, and, and, and like actively listen, you know, mm-hmm. like I think a lot mm-hmm. of times we want to listen with the intent of telling you what I want you to know based on what you told me versus really, really listening to what you're saying and like shutting the fuck up and just like listening and then saying, okay, what did I just hear? And then coming from that place. Um, and I'm guilty of it still to this day sometimes, but I'm much more conscious of when someone is expressing their things with me. It's just to listen and then ask more questions just to get more and more understanding because then I can be more helpful. Now, that's if we're talking already. But if we're not talking, a lot of times, you know, it's patterns like, okay, I have friends I know, like when they're going through something, I don't hear from them. Or if, I, if they're going through something, they call me all the time. Or, you know, I just, I can look at their social media posts and be like, this nigga's dealing with some shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's just me just being really cognizant of like people's behavior and then trying to figure out how I can help. So like a lot of times my old way will be like, my nigga, nah, 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 and I have all these suggestions uh-huh. and this is what you should do. And now I'm like, yo man, like how can I help? I like that approach. This is my question. Like how can I help? Like what do you need? Because what I think you may need may not be what you really need, but this is, that's me feeding my ego. And I don't want to do that. I want to do and help you in a way you need help. And so, um, 
Yeah, it's really just trying to observe people's behaviors. I call and check on people all the time. You know what I'm saying? And I ain't gonna lie. Like sometimes I feel like, damn, like nobody call and check on me the way I check on them. But that's me expecting me out of other people, right? Which I, I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. I can also admit that. But so yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, fuck, I check on every dead body. Nobody fucking <laughs> no check on checks me. On the strong but it's friend. actually not true. People do check in on me, but because I'm the strong person, they like, Chris is fine. He's cool, right. whatever. If he needs something, he knows to reach out, whatever. Um, but I check in on a lot of people. You cross my mind, I'll probably just text you, like, hey, you good? Like, everything cool? That's like, that's something I consistently do. And then when I see patterns, I'll, I'll hit somebody up, like, yo, like, you need a rap? Like, one of my boys, one who deals with a, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a baby mother issue, I was flying back from Spain. I was on vacation. And he hit me like, yo, this, da 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 And like, I landed, I dropped my bags, and I went and had dinner with him. You know what I'm saying? Because I just knew he needed to rap. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yo, man, like, I don't want you to do anything to yourself or to anybody else. If I can be the buffer for that, fuck my sleep and everything else. Like, I'd rather do that with you. So it's just about making space for people, man, and like really um, being less egotistical and being compassionate and being empathetic and consciously um, using your heart and less, less, more of your heart and less of your head. I like that approach. You know what I'm saying? And I, I try to do that as much as possible. And it, that hurts too, because you're always open, like just this open wound, you know what I'm saying? Bleeding you, heart. Yeah, you're a bleeding heart, but I'd rather do that than be a cold person that denied a friend from something they needed and then that turns into something that bad for them. I just don't. I'd rather sleep well at night knowing that I was there and available and helped however I could. What do you want your legacy to be? I want people to say, like, you know, Chris really changed some people's lives for the better. And even if I don't see those, the fruits that those trees bear, I just want to plant those seeds. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's kind of it for me. Like, I just want to be able to help people live better lives. And um, I'm doing that. And I'm... Sounds like, seems like some good things are coming down the pipe that, that I'll do more of that. And that's just the passion. Excuse me, that's just the, the path that I'm on to pursue this passion. So that's it for me. Just helping people live better and be better. That's it. And since you work with the youth, this question should be easy. Sure. What message do you want to share with the youth? Never give up. And that sounds very, very cliche. But coming from a person that really wanted to give up, like completely at one point in time, not too long ago. And um, to know the benefit of just like saying fuck that and pushing through even when you didn't feel like pushing through and that a better day is actually coming. I know a lot of these things sound very cliche, but like it's actually true. You know what I'm saying? Like if you really want to have better, you may have to go through worse to get to it, but it will come if you put in the energy and effort. And so just never, ever giving up, man. Like never like just never fucking stopping you know you might have to take a break you might have to go and reset and like change paths and put on a new uniform and all that but like just never actually stopping like permanently um just don't do that don't let anybody or any scenario prevent you from that because that's what we're here to do we're here to actually live and when you stop doing those things you you can be existing you could be breathing but you're not living, you know? So that's it. Just don't quit. And lastly, give us three songs. Oh, shit. Yeah. Three I like songs. music, so this is going to be difficult. Okay. What is three hearing. songs that get you 
through a mood to boost the mood. Man. Sad, happy, mad, whatever. Top three. Uh, Spanish Spanish Joint by D'Angelo is like one of my favorite records. And my these change, right? This mm-hmm. is like where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much anything by Stevie Wonder. Okay. But um, As is a great record by Stevie Wonder, I think. It's probably one of my favorites. This is hard. This is actually a hard question. This is the hardest question you've asked me today, honestly. Out of everything There's else, all one. the emotional stuff. This is the hardest one. like, no, this is easy. There's a song by this girl who is from London who is not a very well-known artist at all. She has probably like 10,000 streams. Her name is Lexa Moore, and she has a song called, I think it's called Mood. Is really really dope. It's not a big record at all, and I pick it up on like someone had it as a part of their something on Instagram, and I like that song a lot. I watch it blow that's up. A, that's a tune. And then I'm listening to my boy DJ, DJ Moma's um, mm. Pan African mix. He put out a new mix a few days ago, and I've been playing that pretty regularly. So yeah, those are those are things. But like D'Angelo and Stevie, that's you, your got, you got me right now. Yeah, you can't you can't really miss with those dudes. Dope. As always, you can follow, like, subscribe us on YouTube and IGTV at hashtag BlackmenCry2, T-O-O. Thank you for watching. From the window to the walls to the sweat drop down your balls. Head over to manscaped.com and be sure you stock up on all your ball needs using code BLACKMENCRY2, and that's T-O-O, to get 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you.